Lieutenant Colonel Tim Woods, welcome to Radio Canada International. Thank you. Now, you are the commander of the Canadian Air Task Force in uh, Romania. Uh, just for our listeners, uh, can you explain what is Canada doing in Romania? So Canada is here conducting enhanced air policing for NATO. And basically what that involves is you know, NATO countries that happen to be in sectors where there is not a lot of uh, air policing or intercept activity uh, will help with the burden, if you will, for other NATO nations that happen to be in busier sectors and uh, provide assets to conduct that uh, air policing role in support of uh, NATO operations. What do we mean by air policing? So it's, it, it does sound just like the, the term of policing. You're basically checking aircraft that enter the area that, that weren't being tracked. Either they weren't filed in the, uh, the, the normal flight plan system uh, and uh, you need to identify them. You can also intercept them to assist aircraft in distress. Uh, it would be another way to help them either navigate to uh, another airport or uh, uh, guide, them, uh, guide them to, uh, to a safe area. And then usually you escort them until they're they're outside of your area of responsibility. So how many aircraft, are, um, Canadian aircraft, are in Romania uh, right now? Uh, there are five CF-18s in Romania right now. And for people who are not familiar with CF-18s, what, just explain a bit the role of the, the aircraft. So the CF-18 is a multi-role uh, fighter aircraft. Uh, it is It can switch from air-to-air to air to air to air to ground uh, almost uh, seamlessly and uh, right now we are using it primarily in the air to air role where we'll have uh, 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 the gun loaded and uh, air terror weapons both uh, heat seeking heat seeking and radar guided uh, missiles on the aircraft uh, to uh, to use if required but uh, certainly we're in we're in peacetime here and we're not anticipating that uh, we we would need to use them now, of course, Romania is based on the western shore of uh, the Black Sea. Um, uh, a bit further northeast from there is Crimea, and uh, uh, further east, the Azov Sea, which uh, very recently saw uh, a spike of um, tensions between Ukraine and Russia. How is that affecting what you're doing in Romania? So we are monitoring the situation in the Sea of Azov, and of course, uh, you know, one of the reasons that uh, we are here in this area of the Black Sea is because of its proximity to Crimea. But uh, our area of responsibility tends to be uh, more on the west side of the uh, of the Black Sea. So the the interactions that are happening in the Sea of Azov, uh, we haven't been directly patrolling uh, in that area, and uh, we're, we are more focused on the Romanian uh, activity near the Romanian airspace here. And now, so I understand um, you personally were involved in a, in an intercept of a, a Russian uh, fighter uh, aircraft uh, quite recently. Tell me about it. Yes, that's correct. Uh, I was uh, I happened to be on duty uh, the day that uh, we were scrambled to intercept the uh, the aircraft. Uh, initially, we didn't know what it was. Uh, we went out uh, into the uh, airspace and, and intercepted it, identified it as a as a flanker and uh, proceeded to uh, fly up alongside it. And, you know, when, once I got up alongside, I, uh, the, the interaction was very professional. I waved, he waved, uh, he, he gave me a thumbs up, I gave him a thumbs up, 
he took a, a picture of the uh, CF-18s with his, a handheld camera and then uh, went on his way uh, back to Crimea, and uh, we returned to Romania. Hmm. Um, and is this the, the only time you came across any Russian aircraft uh, since you have been deployed in Romania? With a full intercept, yes. Uh, otherwise, we have uh, changed our alert posture numerous times here or uh, gone up into what's called a CAP or a, a combat air patrol where you basically uh, loiter and wait for contacts that uh, may be getting close to your area of responsibility. Uh, we've done that a number of times uh, since we've been here, but uh, for a, a full-up intercept, uh, that was the only one. Have Have Canadian aircraft been intercepted by Russians if you fly close uh, close to Crimea? Uh, no, we have not. But. Okay. Now, um, just uh, I'm I'm very curious. Um, what are you learning? What is this uh, deployment in uh, Norway? Oh, sorry, Norway. In what is this deployment in Romania um, teaching you? So in terms of uh, air policing, it's actually very similar to what we do uh, 24-7 and 7 in, uh, in Canada under NORAD. It's, it's, it's a very similar role. Uh, in fact, it's a, it's a little more straightforward for us here because the, uh, the area of responsibility is smaller that we have to, have to cover, but uh, the amount of time that we have to get airborne is, is, uh, is a little bit quicker uh, with, the, with some of the tracks that, that pop up. Uh, aside from doing that air policing role, the other task that we're doing while we're here is to integrate with uh, other NATO countries and train together to make sure that, uh, you know, we're continually practicing operating off the same song sheet. And uh, so that's, that's where we'll use opportunities to train together and uh, share best practices and, uh, and, and hopefully streamline future NATO operations when we work together uh, because we've done these uh, exercises and training ahead of time. Now, I'm, I'm curious because uh, uh, Romania used to be a former uh, Soviet bloc country uh, armed with Soviet, uh, mostly Soviet weapons. Uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they were armed with, uh, or their Air Force was using MiG-21s. Uh, uh, how is that um Uh, you know, um, and they're now transitioning to a new aircraft, uh, the F-16s. How how is that interaction when you're trying to uh, basically uh, create interoperability with an air force that is using uh, a radically different aircraft? Yes, that's uh, that's correct. Uh, they, the Romanians are holding alert primarily with their MiG-21 aircraft, which, as you mentioned, were our former Soviet-era uh, aircraft. And uh, there is a jump from the tactics uh, and just the, the, the standard operating procedures uh, from you know what, what would have been baseline with that aircraft, and also uh, the uh, the the equipment capability that uh, they have acquired with the acquisition of their new F-16s. There's a there's a jump there, so. So that is a, a, a nice thing for us to assist with. Uh, having flown a, a fourth-gen fighter for 35 years now, we can uh, we can help them with with those kinds of uh, operations and uh, and and maybe uh, the development of their F-16 capability. Have you had a chance yourself to look into a, a MiG-21 and uh, maybe try it out? 
Oh, absolutely. I haven't uh, been for a flight in one, but uh, we, we've uh, we've both uh, done orientation. We've uh, hosted the Romanian pilots to tour our aircraft and 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 vice versa. Uh, it's an impressive piece of kit. It's a, it's a rocket with wings, and it, it's hard to see airborne. That's for sure. Uh, when I think today we did a little tally, and I don't think uh, going to the merge. I think I only ever spotted one of them when there was a two ship. Most times, it's uh, it, it's hard to see when it when it gets uh, gets close just because of its size. Hmm. Um, not like flanker, which is pretty big with two big engines. Yes, the flanker was very easy to see. It is quite a bit larger than the uh, than the F eighteen. That's for sure. Now, um, have you learned anything from your Romanian colleagues? Absolutely. Uh, they uh, they have a, a streamlined way of doing things uh, sometimes, which uh, which I I always appreciate. I like it when we can uh, you know uh, do things quicker and with less bureaucracy. And uh, and uh, in some cases they they have that, and uh, they're also uh, their controllers are very good at uh, directing intercepts. That's uh, one of the pieces that uh, we really enjoyed working with them. They. Uh, they uh, they they're they're very precise and they have a good uh, procedural way to do them. So we've, we're going to bring some of that back home with us to Canada, to uh, to to uh, encourage our best practices. No, I mean um, you you talked about the that you know the mission is very similar to what you do in NORAD, but in NORAD you're uh, functioning over the you know the North American continent, the the uh, Canadian Arctic archipelago, which is you know five six million square kilometers. Um, the area in the Black Sea is much smaller. You it's a very small box. You fly one way, you get to Ukraine, another way, you know Bulgaria, Crimea next door. How, what what is it? What does it mean to fly in such a uh, a tight area? Uh, it, it actually makes things a little more straightforward for us in terms of not worrying about our, our gas as much. Uh, you know, if we go long distances in Canada, you, you're always, uh, especially in a fighter aircraft, you're always watching your gas. Uh, the the types of aircraft that we'll intercept in Canada, too, will be more, you know, long-range type patrol aircraft or, or long-range bombers, and uh, and they will be... You know, we'll, we'll have to maneuver to positions uh, up north and, and further north in Canada than Bagotville to kind of uh, uh, get ready for the for the intercept. And uh, here, it's right on our doorstep. So, how does it work? If you are, uh, the, you know, the the team on alert, are you kit kitted up and waiting uh, for you know just a, a go and run into your aircraft and take off? Yep, absolutely. We're pretty much uh, dressed and and uh, ready to go, and it's just like being at a at a fire hall. The horn goes, and then uh, we we run as uh, fast as we can out to the airplanes. And a lot of the checks are already pre-done. Uh, you know, I like to lay out my uh, the straps in the airplane in a very particular way that I can uh, get strapped in very quickly, and then we're, we're airborne very quickly as well. And uh, we just uh, there's a streamlined uh, taxi process. You don't have to, you know, like at an international airport, ask to get uh, pushed back, and, and then uh, your clearance instructions take forever. It's it's very streamlined, and, uh, and and it gets the aircraft airborne very quickly. Now, um, of course, uh, the CF-18s have undergone modernization. Uh, I think uh, five 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 ten years ago, uh, but they uh, are still. Um, 
aircraft that are in, in their 30s, in their mid-30s. Um, how much maintenance do you have to do, and is that an issue? So we uh, we acquired our Hornets from 1982 to 1988, I believe was the window that uh, that we we acquired our Hornets. Uh, we upgraded them. We did a, a very large upgrade to the uh, electronics uh, systems uh, in the early 2000s in two uh, kind of tranches. So uh, beeps and squeaks wise in the airplane, uh, you know, there, it's it's been updated from the from the original uh, uh, airframe, and. Um, uh, actually, I, I, I can't remember what else was on the end of that question there. But in terms of maintenance, I mean, it's uh, how you're thousands of kilometers away from Canada. I don't know if there are any other countries nearby that you use Hornets. Uh, um, how do you get spare parts? Is that is, uh, you know does it take a lot of time and effort to keep those five aircraft uh, operational? Uh, yes, that's that's, uh, that's exactly where I was going with it. Actually, is that uh, so? Even though we've updated the avionics and the airplane, the the, the a lot of the structural components are still uh, original. So as the airplane starts to uh, dwindle off in in stockpiles uh, around the world, you start to see that the parts are, are a little harder to get. Uh, for a, you know an A, B, and C model uh, Hornets, they're uh, they're um, they're not in production anymore. So uh, that that is one of the reasons why we have uh, an extra aircraft out here is because you know having operated the Hornet for 35 years, we have a very good idea of what components uh, will break on a on a routine basis. So we we have a maintenance packup that's here with us, and then uh, we have those parts readily available. But every once in a while, we get a surprise by a component that we weren't uh, ready, uh, you know, weren't thinking was going to fail. And then, uh, you know, if we were at our home-based operations, this would be a very uh, uh, quick repair because we'd probably have it in our uh, storage, but we may not have it with us on this deployment. So now we've got to ship it out, and that will be done either by an airlift uh uh, via airlift, or uh, if we can, we'll, we'll uh, commercially ship the component if the security classification uh, is, uh, is is sufficient, or it's you know it's a small enough size that we can commercially ship it. We'll we'll sometimes do that, but that uh, that takes time with customs and and whatnot to get those uh, those parts shipped out here. Hmm. Okay, um, just uh, my last question. Tell me about uh, life in Romania. This is your second. Uh, uh, time being deployed in Romania, if I understand correctly. How, how, how is the country treating you? You know, what, what are you getting out of it? And, you know, are you just how is it there? Yeah, well, the last time I was here, we were a little further northwest uh, of here in uh, um, Kempia Terzi, which is near Cluj, and, uh, and uh, this time uh, here in, in Constanta. And uh, it's just—it's a beautiful country. I—I uh, I recommend. I've already mentioned to my wife that uh, we should come visit. It's a—it's a—it's a great place to tour. The mountains are beautiful. The beaches are, are gorgeous here in, in in Constanta. The people are very friendly. I, I find the sense of humor for, between the Romanians and the Canadians uh, plays off each other well. Uh, the food is great. Love the tomatoes here. I don't know what it is with the tomatoes, but they're the best. And. Uh, <laughs> And uh, it, it, the relationship is 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 very strong. We marched in their uh, centennial parade uh, that they had on the first of December, 
And uh, I think everybody in our team was quite surprised that as we marched through the city streets, you know, you could hear from the crowd uh, calls of Bravo Canada, you know, that they, they recognized our flag because uh, that's really all we were carrying. And, uh, and uh, you know, it was, it was uh, really nice to, to hear that, that they, they recognized our flag and that they knew we were there and uh, the respect was uh, certainly mutual. So when are you coming back home? We'll be coming back in January uh, and, uh, in, in waves. Uh, the first to fly out is usually the, uh, the, the fighters. And then after that, we, uh, we begin to fly back the, uh, the pack up and, uh, and support crews. But uh, just about everything should be out of here in the, in, in the month of January. So who's replacing you? So uh, the the plan is for uh, Cold Lake to take over this role if we uh, fill it again ne next year, and that's what we're, we're planning towards. Uh, I don't, uh, I'm not tracking that it's been declared fully uh, officially yet, but it's certainly what we're planning towards is to have the uh, Cold Lake team take over for us uh, uh, next year, doing the same mission. Right. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate you taking so much time to speak with us and um, explain what you do there. And uh, happy holidays and, you know, safe, uh, safe trip home. Great. Thank you very much. And thanks for your interest uh, here in what we do. Uh, the team really appreciates it. Thank you.